Are we up for a message? Um, my theme title, Daniel's already said, is New is New. And it's this whole idea that we can sense we're entering a new season. You know, even just with COVID, we can sense that. But more than that, there's something spiritual happening. And I'm believing with you that we're going to see more miracles than we've ever seen before. I'm believing for fresh anointing, that you're going to be able to run in areas you couldn't run in before because you're just, God's just given you the ability to do it. And just like, how am I doing this? And it's just because God's with you, fresh anointing. I'm believing for growth, both for you and your family and your household, but us, for us as a church. So brilliant to see new people coming in. We're in this season. New is new. Today's part is called A Glorious Version of Me. Turn to the person next to you and say, a glorious version of me. And if you want, you can turn to the person on the other side and you can say, you didn't know it got better than this, did you? <laughs> <laughs> a glorious version of me. Um, just last week, I, I don't think Jean's made it today, but just want to continue. We're believing for miracles in our house, aren't we? And last week, many of you won't know it, but we got one. Yeah. And I believe we need to talk about them. The word in it, Revelation 12, it says you shall overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. And the word testimony ultimately means do it again. So when you tell someone about it, God says I can do that again now because you've released the testimony. So Jean, who is in her mid-80s and uh, awesome kingdom warrior, great prayer, and uh, she was determined to be here last week. And as she arrived, she was a little bit late at the back and she's real problem with her back and she, she came in. But she was so desperate to be in the house of God with us bunch of brilliant people. And she sat down and she said, I'm going to have to sit down for the service, but I was so desperate to be here. And then I announced this, come on, God's going to do miracles. And with no hesitation, the guy sitting at the back going, come on, Jean, here we go. This is your moment. And they reached out. And she got up and she prayed, raised her hands and she said, I'm doing this for you, Jesus. Now, I didn't see all that happening because there's people standing in the way. I didn't see what happening. So I'm outside having a coffee after service. And Jean comes herring round like an Olympic athlete. <laughs> and now, bear in mind, I don't know the story. And she's just gone, look at me. I've gone, yeah, you look lovely. <laughs> but what she meant was, I walked in like this, but I left like this. We need to tell the stories. I'm believing that's just a small section of the things we're going to see in the coming weeks and months. Come on, can you believe in your heart for a great testimony of my God's doing something in and through me? Come on, stir your faith. My question to you today, bearing in mind we're talking about a glorious version of me, is will you, not us, but will you embrace this new season? Because I can talk from the front as long as I like, but unless you all say, I'm going to play my part in this, I'm going to grab hold of what God's doing in the anointing in our church, and I'm part of that, I need you to make a choice right now to say, I'm going to play my part. Come on, turn to the person on the other side of you, I'm going to play my part. Come on, I know we've got masks on, but they can still hear you. And the best thing is, they can't smell your breath. <laughs> happy days. Johnny's well happy about that. <laughs> At the start of each sporting season, you know I'm going to shoot arm football in here somewhere, don't you? <laughs> it's coming home. No. Um, at the start of each footballing season, the teams will have a new kit. And uh, often, you know, a month or so before the season, they'll start getting their star players coming out wearing the kit. And of course, it is a money-making thing because all the fans want the latest kit. And who knows, a shirt from a Premier League team costs about 80 quid now, plus if you want the one they actually wear on the, on the, in, on the pitch. But they have a new kit. 
and new shorts, new socks, often we'll have new boots, and they'll come out, and everyone's excited, and everyone's pumped that their team's going to be the best. But who knows this? Unless the attitude in the team changes, unless you make some new signings, unless the fitness levels are better, unless we're coached to be in unity together, you can change the kit as much as you like, but if you don't change the inner working, nothing actually changes in performance. So you've got a lovely new kit on, but you're still losing every week. Can you see what I'm trying to say? You could buy a brand new Lamborghini car. And all the men went, oh yes. But if you've left your 1.1 Fiesta Poplar Plus engine in it, it will look great, but it's going to go slow. Because it looks good on the outside. Changed on the outside. But if you don't change what's going on, on the inside, you're going to get the same results. Can you see where I'm heading with this? Unless, church, you are prepared to say, God, what do you want to do on the inside of me? You will keep getting the same results. And your results might be good, but I'm just declaring over you in this new season better results than you've ever seen before. So the goal is say, Lord, I don't want to put a new kit on. I want to change on the inside. I don't care what I look like on the outside, maybe a little bit. I don't care what I look like on the outside, but I want to be the man or woman you've called me to be on the inside because I want that level of performance. I want that success. I want that outcome. Are you with me, church? You can respond a little. Mark chapter 2 and verse 22 says this. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins. And both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. Now, ultimately, that verse is really talking about Jesus bringing in a new covenant, but you can see the link I'm making here. We don't want to pour the new stuff into what was old. It just won't work out. We need to say, God, change me on the inside. I'm prepared to do whatever it takes. I'm submitting to your kingship because I'm believing for something new in my life. Amen? Uh, my daughter uh, and uh, all the junior schools and many of the senior schools now, they produce these water bottles, often with the school logo on it. And um, the trouble is they keep that for a year. And who knows, and all you mums out there who, or maybe dads as well, do the, do the washing up, you get those little scummy bits in the, in the top, you know, where you're going to drink it. You can't quite get in there. And after a year or so, so you, you can go next year with your old water bottle and pour new water in it, but if the container's rubbish, you're still going to be contaminated. It needs a proper wash. So we need everything new. And I'm going to drive it home today because there's something new about to happen in you. I want to look at this from two aspects. I want to look at it from the idea where you can help someone else. Because of what God's doing in you, you're going to be someone else's solution. And then from the aspect of what's God doing in you to help you. So it's where you're helping others and where God's helping you. It's a kingdom principle all of the time. My favorite example of that is with the mustard seed. The kingdom of God's like this, a man who has the faith of a mustard seed. And what it is, is this little bit of faith. So often, church, I think we, we think we've got a massive faith. But Jesus said, if you've got a little bit of faith, if you could believe I could do it a little bit, that's enough for me to work with. And when you plant that seed in the ground, the mustard seed grows into this big, leafy plant with huge, great big leaves. It's healthy. So you are blessed. When you plant your, your seed in the ground, you are blessed. You're this leafy plant. But what does it say? And then the birds can come and find shelter under its leaves. So you are healthy. And you're also blessing someone else. It's about you, but it's not all about you. That's a principle of the kingdom. So as we look at this, you're going to be blessed and changed and transformed. And God's going to do something for you. But in the process of that, he's going to position you to help someone else. Are you with me?
I want to look at it through the eyes here of the story of Lazarus, probably one of Jesus' most famous miracles. It's actually the miracle he, he did when the um, Pharisees decided enough of this, and that's when they started to plot against him. So I want to encourage you. If you're going to believe for the biggest miracles, you can believe for the biggest opposition. But don't let that put you off, because Jesus leads his church in victory all of the time. Uh, so here, let me read it to you. John 11, verses 33 through to 44. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her were also weeping, he was deeply moved, and in spirit was troubled. Say with me, he was deeply moved. He was deeply moved. Jesus was deeply moved. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. That is the shortest verse in the whole Bible. Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five. I don't know if you're good with scripture memory, but let me teach you this one, right? John eleven thirty five. Can you remember it? Jesus wept. You've remembered a verse. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. That's profound. I'm going to show you why in a moment. Then the Jews said, see how, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could he, not have op- could he not who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus once more deeply moved. Can you see this theme? He came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. How cool is that? Here is Jesus. Spirit of Jesus living in us. The church called to be Jesus' representatives. He was deeply moved when he saw someone else's trouble. And he wept. Jesus was moved and he wept. And then he does some unusual things. You see, he then prays this prayer. Let me read it to you again. Did you see how weird it is? He said this. He said, um, Father, I thank you for you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of everyone else. Have you ever been in a prayer meeting when someone's praying a prayer and you're thinking, that's not a real prayer, that's an information prayer? (laughs) Well, Jesus does it. So if you're the one who does that, it's okay because Jesus did it. It's like you're standing in a prayer meeting and, and someone knows that, that Pastor Barry went to a meeting yesterday, but no one else knows. So in the prayer meeting, rather than say, hey guys, did you know that Pastor Barry went to this meeting yesterday? You pray this. Lord, I thank you that Pastor Barry went to that meeting yesterday. <laughs> that's an information prayer. But that's what Jesus is doing here. I know you hear me. I don't need to check that out. But I'm saying it so everyone else can hear it. And what it's doing is it's stirring their faith. Because now he's going to act in faith, and they know it's because of his relationship with God. It's stirring their faith. Then he doesn't pray. Come on, church. We need to be a praying church, but there needs to be times when we're not praying. 
he declares in faith and authority, Lazarus, come out. He doesn't say, oh, Father, could you do something? Could you raise him for me, please? No, 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 no. He prays an information prayer. He stirs faith. And then he takes his authority and says, come out. There's five words in that little passage that I think are profound and I hope you can take home with you. Jesus wept. Two words. How profound. Here's, here's my thoughts around that. We're called to be Jesus' representatives and we're living in a very difficult time for all the obvious reasons. Here we are in church with masks on for crying out loud. It's been a tough time. But I wonder so often if we have busy, busy lives, and all of you do and I do. I wonder if we've got enough on our own plate sometimes that we're trying to juggle all kinds of things in our own situations. And then someone comes to you and says, oh, Barry, I've just been having a real tough time. How many of us treat it like this? Oh, have you? Oh, 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 I'm really sorry about that. I will pray for you. Jesus was deeply moved to tears, and he stayed. Come on, church, it's time to hear people's cries. There are people who need the love of Jesus. And the only person they can come to is you. And so often we've got so busy with our own stuff that we're not following Jesus' example. We're not actually deeply moved and we're certainly not in tears about it. We're saying, oh, condolences. Hope that works out for you. I'll pray over here. No, come on, it's time for something different. Come on, God, do something on the inside of me that represents Jesus. Because he was moved when he saw people in trouble. And when people reach out to me, I want to represent you well. So I'm going to stop my busyness and step into theirs. And I love this. He then doesn't start praying. He then starts declaring with authority. Come on, according to Matthew 25, Jesus said, all authority is given to me. Now, church, let's go. He's given you the authority. You carry the same authority that Jesus has. You've got it. It's with you now. He even says, don't worry. Go out there because I'm going to be with you. So next time someone comes to you with their issues, my prayer is, church, you wouldn't have a new kit on for a new season. Something on the inside will be changing and you're going to remember this moment. You're going to, whoa, 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 stop, Barry. Stop a minute and listen. I've had this thing happen to me. And it's, oh, I don't know how to get past it. I'm really struggling. Okay, tell me about that. Because I want to connect deeply with you. And once I've heard your situation, I know that I carry the solution. Yes, I'm going to pray for you. But more than that, I'm not just going to pray. I'm going to take spiritual authority and speak healing into your world. Come on, who's believing for a miracle? Who's believing that you could be someone's solution because the same authority Jesus carries, you actually carry it's time, church, to stand up. You see, see, Daniel didn't know what I was going to speak about here. And yet in his declaration there, he was saying, that it's open, take off the clothes. This is exactly it. It's time to get it off, church. It's time for you, carrying the authority of Jesus, to be deeply moved by the situations around you. So much so that you're prepared to stop what you're doing and step into their world and be part of the solution. That Jesus might be glorified. Come on, is there an amen somewhere in the house? See, I'm not asking God to heal. I'm commanding a healing in faith. Jesus said, with well, faith as a mustard seed. You see, last week, Jean came doubled up. 
And someone said, we're not having that, Gene. Come on, this is a new season. There's something new going on inside of me in Jesus' name. And she's like, come on. Look at me. Come on. That is the first fruits of something that's going to go on in and through us as a church. So you are part of someone's solution. Could you change your thought process on the inside so you can walk in it? How about finding your own solution? You know, can I suggest that most people, and probably all people, but I don't want to be overcooking it, most people can identify with Lazarus. I think so often we look at these stories and we identify with the disciples, we identify with Jesus, but not many of us identify with Lazarus. But I think the reality is, if you think about it, most people aren't literally dead, but on the inside you're bound up. And because you're bound up on the inside, you're actually living in dark places. You're not out and free. You're going through life, you're going through the motions, but you're bound. And so therefore, we can actually relate to Lazarus. Yet Jesus. Yet Jesus. You see, I believe anyone who's probably older than about the age of 10 will have had some kind of trauma in your life. It it might be an injury, a shock, a rejection. Maybe you got dumped from a relationship and you just didn't see it coming. Maybe you've had some extreme unkindness come your way and it's wounded you. You know, maybe you've been let down. Maybe there's been a loss, a loved one, a pet. This means something to you. There's been a loss and it's trauma because we're not supposed to go through this stuff. And suddenly, how do you handle that? And I think we all handle it in different ways. I think a lot of people want to protect themselves because you don't want to go through that again. And it's understandable. It's a good response. We protect ourselves from future hurt. Some people do that by hardening and toughening. And you're not going to get near me. I'm not going to be soft enough. I've been through some stuff. I've been rejected. I've been hurt. I suffered loss. I'm not going there anymore. You cannot touch me. And we will all know people who are like that. Toughened on the outside. There are other people who respond just becoming flaky and non-committal. I can't, you know, I've been hurt now. I'm not going to commit to anything else. I might turn up. I might not turn up. I've got, got my stuff on my plate. And, oh, and we know people like that. Just flaky. Sometimes they come. Sometimes they don't. But ultimately, they're trying to protect themselves. Some people just struggle to handle situations. Some people become defensive. Some people become over-emotional. All of the time, living in this weird emotional zone. Some people lack confidence. Some people won't let you close and keep you here. And yet others just let everyone in all the time because they're so desperate for affirmation and acceptance. There's lots of different ways of handling trauma. And you'll all have them. But we are living in a time where God's saying, I want to set you free. He wants to change your dynamics on the inside. So in this new season, you can put on the new kit and flow in it. He doesn't want you with the Lamborghini and the Fiesta engine. He wants you with the Lamborghini and the Lamborghini engine. Because we are the church of God. And you know what? Jesus was deeply moved by Lazarus' situation. And here's some truth for you. He's also deeply moved by your situation. Whatever you've been through, whatever you might be going through, whatever you're masking over, whatever you're pressing down, Jesus is moved by it. Because he loves you. And you know how he demonstrated that love? He went to a cross and said, I'm doing this for you. I don't need to be here. You need me to be here. 
And I love you enough to lay down my life so that anything that could ever come at you, I have defeated. Even going through this pandemic year, we will have created coping mechanisms. Now, some of them might be good. I'm sure a lot of us have done a lot of soul searching, a lot of considering, you know, what and who and how we value our time and the people around us and what we should be prioritizing. And they are good things. But also, I think sometimes we've created mechanisms that actually were okay for lockdown, but they're never going to work when we unlock. And so if we continue to live like that, we're not going to succeed out here. And so I guess the thing is, looking at all the internal goings on in your thought processes, what's of God and what's healthy, and what is actually binding you up and hindering from this new that God wants to bring into your life? We need to change the inner workings. We need to change the whole dynamic entirely. You know, when you look at the people around you and how they respond to you, and when you look at yourself and how you respond to others, is it healthy? Is God in the center of it? Or is it dictated by something that happened in your past? And come on, I know we can spout off all these classic lines, but come on, our history cannot dictate our future, especially when our faith can. Come on, if we've got the faith, what could your future look like? What is it you're scared to do because of something that happened in the past? When actually, if you could say, Jesus, take away my fear and my hurt of the past and just, I want to have faith, what doors could open for you then? What questions would you ask? What businesses might you start? What person might you approach? What relationships could you enter into? What ministry might you do? What book might you write? There's all kinds of possibilities out there. And if something is holding you back from stepping into that glorious version of you, come on, Jesus is here saying, I want to unbind you from all that stuff. Let's be free to be the best version of ourselves. We want to be a more glorious version of you. Are you hearing me? Here's the hardest part, transition. You see, when you've lived in such a way for a long time, that's your normal. We've learned how to cope, and we've probably done it for years, and we can live like that. That's normal. It's easy to live like that. And the thing is, when we get to where we really want to be, we learn to live there, and we, we can cope, and we, we enjoy, and we create ways we're going to live, and it's easy. The middle bit is hard, because you're trying to step away from how you used to behave to step into how you want to behave, and this middle bit is kind of weird. But I want to declare to you that God is the Alpha at the beginning and the Omega at the end. But he's also the God of the middle. You know, as I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, there you were with me, right in the middle of it. You know, I was there at the beginning in Psalm 23 as I was leading you to green pastures and feeding you and loving life. I'm there at the end where I've created a table in front of all your enemies who are putting you down and doubting you and cussing you off. Well, you're going to have a celebration of life right in front of them. But while you're transitioning, there I am. There I am. And so I want to encourage you. I think there's a whole bunch of people in this room who are about to go on a transition process. And it might be tricky. If you really want to be free, if you really want to be a more glorious version of yourself, if you really want to be the person God created you to be, and not some shadow because of all the history and all the hurt and all the loss and all the pain and all the unkindness and all the things you've had to battle through, and you are strong and tough and well done for pushing through. But there's something more than that. When we come to God in faith and said, I'm bound here. Jesus isn't going to go, I'll get on with it. He's going to be deeply moved. He's going to weep on your behalf. There's a Bible verse that says he collects your tears. He sees you. 
But more than that, he has authority to heal you. He has authority to put you back where you were always supposed to be. So we see the most glorious version of you. You know, we, we know about the Israelites, don't we? There they were in captivity, moaning for absolute fun. Working hard, getting paid little, just getting by, getting beaten and whipped. And God sends Moses in. And they know they're going to this promised land. And they've seen the promised land and they've seen the fruit. And the fruit was so big they had to carry it on poles. I mean, that is some bunch of bananas that they have to carry on poles. I mean, that is some pineapple right there. They've got to carry on a pole. That is some mango they've got on a pole right there. Huge. They're like, that's where we're going. But who knows in the transition? They were like, oh, this is so hard. Why did you bring us out? It was easy back there. It wasn't easy back there. You were getting beaten and whipped and worked too hard. You, you suddenly forget how bad it was. But in the transition, you keep looking over your shoulder like, should I slip back there a little bit? Because transition's hard. But actually, if you push through, you get to the fruit. That was my best Michael Jackson shuffle right there. Are you hearing me? So if we're going to transition as individuals, and if we're going to transition as a church, we need to support each other. Because actually changing behaviour is quite difficult. If you've lived in a certain way and thought in a certain way and spoken in a certain way for many years because someone let you down, because someone spoke you down, because someone dumped you, because you suffered loss, because you got hurt and you created coping mechanisms, I understand all of that and why. But that's not the glorious you. And we need to come to Jesus and say, would you heal me? I'm sick and tired of getting by. I want to live where the fruit is. And then you've got a bunch of people in this church empowered with the authority of Jesus to say, I'm going to walk this out with you. I'm not going to be too busy for you. I'm going to stand with you because I'm deeply moved by your story. And we're going to walk this out together and I'm going to declare over you health in Jesus' name. I'm going to declare over you favour in Jesus' name. I'm going to declare over you open doors in Jesus' name. I'm going to declare over you vision in Jesus' name. I'm declaring over you long life in Jesus' name. I'm declaring success over you in Jesus' name. Come on, what kind of language could we develop, church? How do you see yourself? What about Gideon? You know, there's the, the army coming against Israel. And there's Gideon hiding in the wine press. And hiding down there, little Gideon. And the angel of the Lord turns up and says, Gideon, it's, uh, I'm, I'm going to use you. We're going to win this battle. I'm going to use you. And Gideon's looking around, but he's created coping mechanisms. He's lived a certain way for, for years, probably his whole life. And his answer is, it can't be me because I'm the weakest guy in the weakest clan and I'm hiding here in fear. How are you picking me? And it's because I can see a more glorious you. There is something I put on the inside of you. Now it's been masked by all the things you've had to go through, but it's in there and I'm about to take it all off. And then he had to transition. Well, who knew transition was hard? If you know the story, he says, okay, I'm prepared to go on this journey, but I want to see some tricks. He says, I'm going to put this fleece out. And in the morning, I want it to be wet on the top and dry on the bottom. If you can do that, I'll know this is you speaking to me. He goes to bed, he wakes up, exactly that. He's like, wowzers. So, but for me, that might be enough. For you, that might be enough. Not Gideon. Why? Because he's created such a culture in his life that that wasn't even enough to shift him. So he said, okay, you might have done that one, but how about this one? I want it in reverse tomorrow morning. Yeah, tomorrow when it dry on the top, wet on the bottom. How can you do that? Of course, he wakes up and it happens again. 
Uh, and he, he just keeps putting God to the test. But do you know what? God doesn't say, oh, for crying out loud, I'll pick someone else. He says, no, I've seen you. I know your situation. I know why you're behaving like you are, and I'm deeply moved. Because there's more in you, and I'm going to go on this journey with you. And if you need to test me a hundred times, I'm going to come to you a hundred times. And he takes him on this journey. And eventually, the mighty warrior that is Gideon stands up. And he actually defeats the army against all the odds with about a tenth of the number of warriors with him. Because God said, I'm just going to do it through you. But he went from here to here on a big transition. He couldn't have behaved there like he was there. God had to do something. And I'm going to declare a transition period over your church. And if you're willing, if you're willing to say, okay, God, I need you right now, but I want to be the person you created me to be. He'll take you on that journey because he loves you. Come on, new season of faith, church. New season of new habits. Come on, new expectation. And why have we limited God? What could God do if we just said, take off the barriers? So good. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verses 17 and 18 says this. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory. And we are being transformed into, him, is, into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. See, there it is right there. You, according to God, are being transformed, transformed from this level of glory. And look at you all glorious people, glorious people, glorious people. But that's, that's, that's not where it ends. If you all go with me, says the Spirit of the Lord, I'm going to take you from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to glory, ever-increasing glory. There is a more glorious you in there somewhere. And God sent me today to say, come on, church, I want to pull it out of you. There is more for you. I don't know, um, you know what even a good description of glorious is. You know, I think a good description of glorious is that 90 minutes tonight, England have won 3-0. I had to shoehorn one in there, church. Come on. That will be glorious. It will go off. But if someone was to describe you, would they ever use the word glorious? And that's our challenge. You see, if God is going to take me and you on a journey from glory to glory, the day has to come when someone looks at us and goes, wow, just your life, the way you handle stuff, just blows my mind. And you'll go, yeah, it's because I'm glorious. <laughs> but that right there, oh, there's some snogging going on in the aisle. I've always said start them early. I tell you what, do you know what that is? Glorious. Love that, love that. There are a couple of sets of parents that are like, how embarrassing. <laughs> it's okay, because we don't mind laughing at you. <laughs> Come on, are you hearing me, church? I hope in amongst the humor and the laughter, I'm making some great points here because, come on, this is a new season and we need a new version of you. We need a more ver glorious version of you. Come on, we need to be open enough to say, God, do in me what you've got to do in me. I've been bound for too long. I know you have authority. I know you've placed me in a church with a vision and an anointing. Come on, I want to be free of my stuff so that I can go to a new level and I can help someone else go to a new level. Come on, there's more for you. How about this? 
Romans 3, in verse 23. Maybe not such a popular verse, this one. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the crowd went quiet. Here's the thing, though. We look at that verse, and I guarantee you, the word you're all looking at is sinned. And the trouble is, if we could stop focusing on the sin and start focusing on the glory, suddenly sin's not an important process anymore, is it? You see, if we could understand what the glory of God really looked like, you know, you wake up in the morning, it's not like, oh, it's flipping Monday morning, I've got to go to work, and I've only had two hours sleep, I feel like death warmed up. No, no, it's Monday morning, it's a new day God created. I've got a new opportunity to speak to someone today. I know there's going to be a door open for me, I'm looking forward to this day, because it's a glorious day that God created. When you start living like that, who wants to keep missing the mark? Sin ultimately means missing the mark. Doing stuff wrong, just not quite right. doesn't mean you're the worst person in the world. It means you missed the mark. We all do it. But if we stopped focusing on worrying about missing the mark and start focusing on what the glory of God could really look like in my life, maybe sin would just be a distant memory because you'd be like, wow, that is the life I want to live. You know, when you get to that stage... Could you be able to say no to the things you know are missing the mark and say yes to the things that are going to glorify God? Is it? And it's part of the inner change, isn't it? I've lived like this for so long and I've created what I think is an acceptable behavior and I speak this way and I use this language and I, I have these habits and I look at people this way and it's how we live. But there's a more glorious you. And actually if we could start looking at the glory of God then maybe our habits would change because that's kept us over there. And God wants us over here, where it's flipping epic. But it means, church, come on, you've got to be willing to go on the journey with him. He's willing to go on the journey with you. Come on, could there be a more glorious version of you?